it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hey, do you have trouble sleeping? Then maybe you should check out The Sleepy Podcast. It's a show where I read old books in the public domain to help you get to sleep. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of classic stories like A Tale of Two Cities, Pride and Prejudice, Winnie the Pooh, stories that are great for adults and kids alike. For years now, Sleepy has helped millions of people catch some much-needed Z's, start their next day off fresh, and discover old books that they didn't know they loved. So, whether you have a tough time snoozing or you just like a good bedtime story, fluff up the cool side of your pillow and tune into Sleepy. Unless you're driving, then please don't listen to Sleepy. Find Sleepy on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes each week. Sweet dreams. What's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's ebook for free at stockmarketpdf.com. Love this podcast because it crushes your dreams of getting rich quick. They actually got me into reading stats for anything. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Led by Andrew Sather and Dave Ahern. Step-by-step premium investing guidance for beginners. Your path to financial freedom starts now. Starts now. All right, folks, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. Tonight, Andrew and I are going to answer some great listener questions we got recently. We have three good ones, and they're kind of wide-ranging, so this should be kind of interesting. So I'll go ahead and read the first question. So we have, hi, Andrew. This is Gladys. I started listening to your podcast recently, and the dividends topic got me interested. When you say to reinvest, are you referring to the reinvest option of the shares where more shares from the company are bought? I agree that by doing that, you grow your ownership of the company, but you still don't see the money until you sell the stock. That is not clear to me. Could you please explain or point me in the right direction? I appreciate your help, Gladys. So Andrew, what are your thoughts on Gladys's great question? Well, thank you, Gladys, for writing in. I'm happy to answer. So yes, when I say reinvest shares, what I mean is you take the dividends that the company pays you and you buy more shares for that company. The benefit is, like you said, you get more ownership, which means the next time they pay dividends, you're going to get an even bigger pile. And then the next time, an even bigger. And so it multiplies, it compounds. That's what's great about reinvesting. You know, you can make the argument like you were saying, well, even though you're putting it back into the market, you're not actually getting to 
I guess, take the profits for yourself. But that's kind of something that you're going to have to deal with, whether you decide to hold a stock or sell a stock. That's like, that's an eternal struggle. You'll never get away from that, whether you're reinvesting or not. No, you won't, unfortunately. And that is kind of the nature of the beast. But I guess it, it goes to, would you rather have your reward now or would you rather have a bigger reward down the road? And that's the advantage of doing what Andrew was talking about. And something that a lot of people don't realize is when when we talk about long-term returns for the stock market, and depending on who you talk to, they can range anywhere from 8 to 10% over the last 50 to 100 years. Around 2 to 3% of that is from dividends. So they make a big, big chunk of the money that we earn from investing in companies that pay us a dividend. And that is our air quote bonus for investing in a company like a Microsoft or a Johnson and Johnson is that they are giving us part of the profits that they have earned as a thank you for being a shareholder in that company. And the more that you can reinvest those and help your compounding, which is one of the great wonders of the world, the faster you'll get to where you want to go. Now, when you're starting out, those numbers are going to look small and kind of puny, and you're going to look at them and go, what, really? This is what you guys are getting all excited about? But trust me, if you look at a calculator or if you just look at somebody's returns like a Warren Buffett over a long period of time, you will see that curve accelerate up very, very sharply as you get farther into the game. And so it's like a snowball. As it rolls down the mountain, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's why people use that analogy to talk about these kinds of things, because it does benefit you in the long run. So it kind of goes back to, do you want the money now or do you want the money later? And for me, I'd rather have the money later. And hopefully, Gladys, that's what you're hoping, looking for as well. And If you're looking to make a lot of money quickly in the game, then investing with dividends is maybe not the way to go. But if you're looking at long-term stock returns as a way to build your wealth, that is absolutely the way to go. And that's what Andrew has been preaching since day one when we started four years ago. So I definitely would listen to what he has to say about this. I'll give one example just because, you know, just because I get excited about the small little pennies doesn't mean everybody else does. The very first company I ever bought was Microsoft. I bought it at $27 a share and I bought just one share. So at the time I was getting like 20 cents in a dividend. Hard to get excited about that, right? Mm-hmm. So nope. when you reinvest that though, you start to pick up ownership of that. So what ended up happening is now once I had, I think basically a year or two worth of dividends, basically to give me more of like a 10% share. So I'll try not to get too much into the numbers but okay so instead of one share it was 1.1 shares okay so that extra 0.1 share from the 20 cent dividend whatever it was now that the company the stock's worth over 300 dollars, that's worth 30 dollars. which if you'll remember i bought one share for 27 and we're talking about the little 20 cent dividends have all accumulated and now are worth more than what i put in and we're talking about I guess 10 years later, almost 10 years later. Mm-hmm. Granted, Microsoft's done really well and it, it multiplied by 10, but that's where you get a lot of the benefit of just waiting for a long period of time. And those little dividends, even if they're small now, as the company gets more and more valuable, those little shares become that much more valuable. 
Yep, I agree. That's a perfect example of how beneficial those could be because, I mean, $30 in your pocket for doing nothing, and that just gives you another, another portion of shares of a company like a Microsoft. That's a nice investment. Yeah, I mean, nice to to get your money back and then some for sure. That's, I think, the beauty of a lot of investing if you can get the right companies on your mm-hmm. side. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money. Not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. I'm going to move on to the next question unless you had anything else to add on this. Mm -mm. All right. So this one is from Dan and he says, hi, Andrew and Dave. I appreciate you taking the time to read my email. Your podcast has been very helpful to me over the past year in learning to make good choices with investments. This past week, I learned of an ETF called MVP by Roundhill. Since being made available, the ETF hasn't done much. It went up to 1526. At the end of day Friday, it was down to 1497. While I know I'm speculating on this ETF, it seems like people would be interested. It seems like something people would be interested in. With no real movement here, is there a good reason for that? Am I overlooking something here that this may not be good investment? Do new ETFs tend to take time to catch on? Would really appreciate your thoughts. Thanks again for the great work on the podcast, guys. 
This is an interesting question. So Andrew and I were not familiar with this particular ETF. And so we did a little research before we came on the show to kind of learn a little bit about the ETF. And Roundhill is a newer company in the ETF space. And I believe they have eight, eight different ETFs that they offer right now. And they seem to, I guess, for lack of a better word, they seem to focus on, I guess, a more of a specialty type of ETFs instead of a broad range of like a market factor or a particular industry. They seem to be more specialized. And for example, just to kind of give you a flavor of kind of the different ETFs that this company offers. They have two metaverse ETFs. So ETFs that focus on companies that are involved with the metaverse. They also have a meme ETF. So that has, you know, more of the meme stocks that are focused in there. And then they have several other ones. And then the MVP one that Dan is talking about is more focused on sports. So just kind of uncovering some of the companies that are, are followed in the MVP ETF. There's some interesting ones in there. There's definitely some ones that I probably would never touch with a 10-foot pole, but there's also some interesting ones like there's a couple soccer ones. So Manchester United, so Man U, which is probably arguably the most famous soccer club in the world are probably going to get fired for that. Football slash soccer folks are pretty passionate about their soccer. And there's also Juventus, which is based out of Italy. I know that one. And those are pretty popular. There's also a company, Liberty, which owns the Braves, the Atlanta Braves. So that I would definitely be interested in. But there's also some, the WWE And then I think there's some gambling as well. So it it has kind of a wide range of different ETFs and or different companies that are followed in the ETF. So if you look at some of the more particulars of the particular ETF, the companies that are in the ETF are their average PE, which is their price to earnings, which is a, a good proxy for, I guess, evaluation or how expensive or how cheap those particular companies may be is negative. And so that's not a good sign. So that means that the companies in the ETF on average are losing money. And that's obviously not something that Andrew and I would advocate for. The expense ratio is low, but the credit rating, if you will, for the ETF is on the lower end. And so that's something that would give you pause. And the reason for that is because it indicates that the companies that the ETF are tracking are low liquidity, which meaning they don't have a lot of cash and they're not traded a lot. It also means that the credit quality of the companies is probably not the greatest either. And so that means that there's a higher risk for potential bankruptcy for some of the companies that are the ETF follows. Now, on average, most ETFs are going to follow hundreds, if not thousands of different companies. This one has 37. So it's very limited in the companies that it follows in the ETF. We also noticed that the trading volume is very, very light. We saw that it said 969, not an ETF aficionado. So I don't know if that means that it averaged 969 trades a day or if that's 969 million. So I admit, I don't know that answer, but it looks like the the trading activity, if you look at the chart that's listed on ETF.com, which is the site that Andrew and I use to look at ETFs, it kind of tells you, it'll show you what kind of trading volume it has. And that probably explains the question of why it's trading where it is and why there's not a lot of activity because it's just not being traded much. Roundhill is a new company. I had never heard of it before Dan's question. And 
to be honest with you, when I look at the ETF, it's not something I would touch with a 10 foot pole. It's, uh, it's loaded with all kinds of things that are, as he put it, speculative <laughs> is probably a nice way of putting it. And it's not something I would recommend anybody take a flyer on. If there's a company or two in there that you think would be interesting, okay, fine. But as a basket of stocks, which is what an ETF is supposed to track, I don't see much redeeming quality in it. And I'm not trying to be super negative, Dan, but you wanted my opinion and I'm going to give it to you. So that's, I guess, kind of my thoughts. Hopefully I don't get fired. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know who would fire you. So I'm not going to really add much to that. I think you covered it pretty well. I guess the last part of the question He's asking, do new ETFs tend to take time to catch on? I think that's kind of an interesting concept too. Dan, I think it's great that you know, you've, you're know you checking out these different ETFs and, and you're trying to find stuff that you find interesting that you think other people would find interesting too. But when it comes to sustainable results and, and really getting the results that you're desiring in the stock market it does take more than just the question of, are, do people like this? There has to be solid fundamentals behind it as well. Do new ETFs take time to catch on? I would say yes. Unequivocally, they probably do. Again, this is not a space that I follow much, but I would think that new ETFs would take time to catch on. I'm sure that when Vanguard started off, they were probably on a much smaller scale and it took them you know, years to grow to the level that they are now. And The thing that can be interesting about ETFs is that you can see what companies they're following in ETFs. For example, Andrew and I were talking about some of the other ETFs that this company offers, and a couple of the meta ones had some interesting names in the ETF, NVIDIA, Facebook. Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, kind of the big tech names. Right, yeah, which would be... Roblox is in there, which was kind of interesting. Yeah, some some of those companies would be interesting. You know, that might have potential depending on what it is you're trying to do. I guess the biggest thing when you're thinking about ETFs is what is your end game? What is the goal here? Is it just to buy something just because or is there a goal in mind? When you're investing, you should probably try to have an end game in mind. You know, I want to go from here to there. You know, it's okay to speculate and whatnot, but Super Bowl is coming up in a few days and I probably would rather bet on whether the Rams are going to beat the Bengals or vice versa than investing in something that I don't really, I don't believe in, I guess is what I would rather do. I would get more enjoyment out of watching the Super Bowl with some money on the line. I'm not doing that, by the way, compared to investing in you know something I just don't really have any skin in the game, so to speak. It does make me wonder if you know there's potential issues with trying to fit a bunch of different like themes into a portfolio mm. so if you like sports i mean the latest e-letter talk about a company like dick sporting goods right that's a fantastic way to get exposure to all kinds of sports but it doesn't have the crazy high valuations that you'd expect from the, the fastest youngest companies so it doesn't always have to be a huge basket of ideas or, or cool things it could sometimes even be one one idea but it could also not, like you said, not be something you have to put in your portfolio just because you're interested in it. And I think with all the choices we have today as investors, it can feel like you get that fear of missing out. Like, man, I need to have every theme in here. But that's not the case at all. I mean, you don't have to be in the metaverse to bank really nice returns for the long term. You don't have to be uh, on top of 
all of the renewable energy companies to make a fortune either. It's You can build wealth a lot of different ways. Yeah, I think one of the better takeaways from this conversation is you can, you can make money a lot of different ways. And the fear of missing out is real. And following that fear into something that may not take you where you want to go. You don't have to, like Andrew said, you don't have to partake in every single thing that could be the next greatest big thing. Buffett laments many, many times about missing Google. He did. You know, he and Charlie admit that they made a mistake and they missed it. I think they've done okay for themselves <laughs> and, you know, investing with the things that they've done. And, you know, there are companies that I, I am kicking myself for missing. And Constellation Software is one of them. It's a company based out of Canada and it did 36% last year. It's done 30% returns over the last 10 years. I didn't invest in it. I wish I could. And, you know, it's too expensive now. You know, that's my cross to bear. And that's okay. I can find other things that can help me make money along the way. And, you know, maybe someday I'll have the opportunity to buy something like that. But right now I don't. And that's okay. But I think that's the thing you have to think about is it's okay to miss out on something and to jump into something because you fear you're missing out on whatever the latest trend may be. And don't worry, there's always something across the bridge that comes up at like every single, almost, it seems like almost on a monthly basis now. Yes, for sure. Yep, for sure. There's always going to be lots of opportunities. You don't have to swing at every single pitch and you can pass and you're not going to get called, called for a strike if you don't invest in some particular, you can just you know wait for your pitch. Welcome to the I Can't Sleep podcast with Benjamin Boster. If you're tired of sleepless nights, you'll love the I Can't Sleep podcast. I help quiet your mind by reading random articles from across the web to bore you to sleep with my soothing voice. Each episode provides enough interesting content to hold your attention, and then your mind lets you drift off. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. That's I Can't Sleep with Benjamin Boster. All right, I think we've beat that horse. Let's move on to another question. So we have, hi, Andrew, my friend Brent and Kobe. All right. Hey, Brent and Kobe, recommended your podcast. I'm in Tokyo, so we got another one in Japan. This is awesome. <laughs> I have a question. So what do you think about the situation with ATBI, which is Activision? Microsoft is buying them for $95 a share unless something happens. At $79.25 a share right now, articles give it a 2023 close for the deal. I would have to hold it for a while. That's a $15.75 a share profit or a 19.87% return. Very precise. What are the downsides to this when the situation comes up? Thanks, Katie. So, Indra, what are your thoughts on Katie's really good question? This is kind of an interesting situation. It is. So it's a really good learning opportunity because I think if you're invested in, in stocks at some point, you'll run into this where one big company is buying another company. And so what you'll get almost all of the time, because a lot of these, it's called M&A or mergers and acquisitions. A lot of these acquisitions tend to happen at higher prices than lower. So as an example, Activision, when the deal got announced, their price shot up. I mean, if I pull up a chart, they went from like 65 range to like the 80 range. So you'll see that a lot, you know, 20%, 30%, 50%, 100% gains. 
because a company is paying more for for the smaller company. So where you see something interesting though is like you said, Microsoft's buying at a dollar amount per share, but the actual stock price for Activision is less. So you could buy Activision and then like Katie said in the question, just wait for the deal to close and you get that difference, which is close to 20% right now, according to these numbers. But, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch on Wall Street. And so that's referred to as like an arbitrage play. And what you get, if you're right, is that nice 20% in a really short time period. What you get if you're wrong is the stock dropping from where it was up by 80 down to back where it was before the deal was made down to like the 60s. So there's no guarantee that the deals will go through and you'll see deals go through and you'll see deals not go through. So it really depends on, you know, antitrust issues being sorted out through courts, not just in the United States, but any other countries that they're involved in. There could be legal drama in other ways. If one company felt that the other company didn't act right, then they could take it to court. I've seen when I held Tiffany stock, something like that happened with COVID. So there is still downside risk. So you don't get this 20% for free if you're buying Activision to wait for the price to rise when the deal closes. So always keep that in mind because that's what you'll see pretty much every time. And if there's not that much return, so if that spread is smaller, that means that people probably think the deal is going to go through. The bigger the spread, the more risks there are for the deal to fall through. And so high risk, high reward. It's a cliche, but a lot of times it's true. Yeah, it is true. And I think one of the biggest risks, which is what Andrew highlighted with this, probably the regulatory concerns and whether the regulators are going to allow this merger or this acquisition to happen. And you've been seeing more and more pushback recently, particularly with big tech buying other big tech. And there was a deal with NVIDIA buying a company in England called Arm. And there was a lot of concern that that deal was not going to go through and it ended up falling apart. The regulators kind of put a kibosh on it and eventually NVIDIA backed out. And so there is some serious concern about this with Activision. And the other thing that Andrew was kind of alluding to with the legal issues is Activision has had some bumps in a row, shall we say, recently with the, I guess, company culture and the company. And a rumor had it that the CEO that founded the company is going to step down once the acquisition is complete. And then the person running the gaming division at Microsoft would take over, in essence, that position. And I don't know that, you know, I think some of the the hullabaloo about everything that was going on in the company with the culture has kind of died down a little bit, be, probably because of the of the acquisition. But it doesn't mean that, that that's going to stay hidden or, you know, subdued before the merger happens. And there could be some pushback on Microsoft because of some of these issues. And whether or not that legally comes up, that could be something that delays the deal getting finished. It also could really tank the stock of Activision before the merger. And so that's something that you have to be cognizant of as well, which would be great if the company is able to buy it at 95 and the share drop that potentially could be a bigger spread for you. But 
there's certainly some risk to consider with this. And Microsoft, for whatever reason, seems to have gone a little bit under the radar as far as scrutiny from uh, regulators, especially compared to Google and Twitter and Facebook or Meta. But it doesn't mean that Microsoft or Apple can just skate through and get ever what they want. So that is a very big real risk that you're going to have to consider if you this is something that you want to do. But like Andrew said, it would be a huge, huge return in a very short amount of time if it does happen. So again, you have to weigh the benefits and the risks and decide if that's something you want to do or not. I know we say it a lot, but it really comes down to do you believe in the business or not? And do you believe in it long term or not? So if you look at a company like Activision Blizzard, where you have like if you're going to buy to try to make that arbitrage trade, you, I mean, this is the way I invest. I always try to take the worst case scenario. And I think if that worst case scenario plays out, how am I going to am I going to be OK with it? So in this case, if the deal falls through, the stock crashes back down to the 60s range. But if you're still OK holding this company the next five, 10 years, then no sweat off your back. Right. But if you're kind of unsure about the culture problem that's been very public in the company and, and what that's done to the talent pool there. And if Microsoft's not able to come in and, you know, basically they're taking the IP and integrating that into their their own talent pool. So if Activision doesn't have that anymore, is it going to be as great of an investment? Is that going to be as great of an investment if the deal falls through? Even if you might really like the company or you really might like the games. Again, like Dave was saying, what if there's more stuff that comes out about people, more people in the Activision company that makes Microsoft pull out? And then you have, and now you're stuck with a company that could be potentially even more ugly than not. So, you know, there's no perfect answer for anybody. And it all depends on how you feel about the companies and how you feel about their financial information. And so those are, I guess, some things to think about when it comes to, you know, you, you can try to play arbitrage games all day long with the stock market. It'll probably drive you crazy. I can tell you that really kind of focusing more on the long-term stuff is really beneficial because then you're not stuck having to really root for one thing or the other. Mm -hmm. Those are great points. I guess kind of follow up with what Andrew was saying. I think a couple things that are really key to what he was saying were think about, would you be okay owning Activision if the acquisition didn't go through? If you were okay owning a company like Activision and you know that's really a great investment for you and the bonus is that you could potentially make this great return in a acquisition situation, then you know I think that's a really easy decision. However, if you're buying Activision in the hopes of gaining from this potential arbitrage merger acquisition situation and you really don't like Activision or you don't really care about the company, then it becomes a different calculus to figure out what kind of probability you really want to factor into making that choice. And I think that's really what it comes down to. And if you can kind of marry those two ideas and figure out what you're really trying to get out of this investment and weigh the risks and what you're okay with, then I think it becomes, you know, that becomes the question that you have to answer for yourself. For me, I don't want to own Activision, so I would probably pass, but that's just me. But I think that Andrew's point about Owning the company or not owning the company, I think, is really the key to making a decision about that. All right. So with that, 
we will go ahead and wrap up our conversation for this evening. I wanted to thank everybody for taking the time to write us those fantastic questions. We really appreciate you taking the time to send those to us, and we enjoy reading those and answering those on the air. If there's anything that we talked about today, sometimes we talk about some things, questions, maybe different topics, metrics that you may not be familiar with. We have a website, investingforbeginners.com. And on that website, we answer all these very questions on the website with great blog posts, videos, other podcasts that we've done. There's lots of great resources. There's also a search bar on the website. And so if you're not sure what price to earnings is, you can go there, type in price to earnings, and you can find your answer. So it's a great resource to help answer any questions that you may have along the way of anything that we discuss in our podcast. So please check that out. It'll help you a lot. So without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and sign us off. You guys go out there and invest with a margin of safety. Emphasis on the safety. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.